Welcome to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined for this one by Jacob Rude. Jacob, do you think it's possible that the Lakers did any shooting practice today? <laughs> I, uh, I saw that wasn't Jason Kidd and Phil Handy were working with uh, Danny Green and KCP when the media came into practice. Um, I sure hope so, and that was probably a good uh, good move for aesthetics. Let Danny Green and KCP shoot the entire time the media is in there. Um, my word, what what a what an awful performance! You were probably the best shooter out there for the Lakers. I mean, you know, I had my flashes, you know, and I was hoping to get into a rhythm. Do you think there's anybody happier in the Lakers organization than Mike Penberthy? <laughs> I forgot about him. I don't, well, I don't think John he's... Rondo, because he's definitely going to be playing if we're not making threes. <laughs> well, because I don't think Penberthy made the trip out there. I don't believe so. Like, I don't think he was included. Maybe he was. Um, <laughs> but if he wasn't. They phoned him up to come out right away. <laughs> <laughs> if he wasn't, like, <laughs> that's called job security right there. See what happens when you guys don't have me around the team? We can't yeah, make I... shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say that man just got an extension on the spot after last night. Please come out to Orlando and please sign with us for the rest of your life. Yes. Um, today's show, we are going to kind of give our thoughts on last night's game. Look ahead to tomorrow's game. What adjustments uh, will might Vocal make? Will he make any? Uh, what does it mean that Rajon Rondo is apparently healthy? Uh, all of that good stuff. I do want to start, though. I feel like as bad as last night's game was, the vast majority of people who I've heard talk about that game walked away from it saying the Lakers probably couldn't play worse than they did last night if they went out and tried to play badly. You would hope so. Maybe that's all of us trying to find a, a silver lining. I mean, I had that thought. It's just that in the playoffs, like every game matters. So it's like, oh, well, we couldn't possibly play worse, but also now there's a finite amount of games where you have to be better. Like that's what I kept telling myself in the, uh, what they call them, the seeding games that, mm-hmm. oh, well, the Lakers have played better and they can get it turned around. And now they're in a spot where they have to get it turned around or the season is over. But I mean, the the Lakers got shots where they wanted to get shots. I mean, they got 32 threes, I believe. Uh, yeah, Alex Regula said 27 of them uh, were considered considered either open or wide open threes. Like, those are shots you want to create. And then they shot uh, 43 times at the rim. So, what is that? That's quick math for me. 70 of their shots, it looks like. Um 70 of their 97 shots were either open three-pointers or at the rim. So, I mean, like, they got shots that they wanted to create, but if they're going to shoot like that, like, you don't deserve to win a game if you're shooting five of 32 from three. <clears throat> some of those numbers, I took. I made the mistake of taking a sip of water while you were giving some of those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, I apologize, everybody, for dying on air. But, yeah, I mean – that's kind of that's kind of the takeaway. Now, I do have kind of a retort, and it's more of a devil's advocate point than it is an actual retort to the thinking of, you know, it 
those are the shots that you want to get. And, and therefore it's just a matter of making them. And the math itself points to the fact that you, they are not going to do that again. Like that was, that was a historic, literally historically bad performance on the offensive side of the ball in terms of uh, real shooting quick, and finishing. On that second spectrum tweeted today, yeah, the Lakers were 34 of 97 from the field. Uh, that performance against the Blakers or against the Blazers had the worst shooting luck for a team in any game since 2013-14, playoffs or regular season. And shooting luck, they said, is the difference between the points you score and the points you'd be expected to score given the <laughs> shots you got. So literally one of the worst shooting performances in six or seven years. I would, I would maybe extend that out. That, oh, that's well, the yeah. worst shooting performance <laughs> of my lifetime. Like I've never seen a team shoot that poorly on such bad, on, on such good looks. Uh, but I, I will say this though. <clears throat> While math says that they are going to progress to the to the mean, right? Not, you know, usually the 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 when we talk regression, we think a, a player is going to like Gary Trent Jr. Right, is is in the middle mm-hmm. of some uh, regression right now, but sometimes progression happens too, right? Like positive regression is progression. So the math would say that the Lakers are in for, you know, a good shooting night at some point soon. That said, shooting is this insanely mental thing. It's probably the most mental thing in in the sport. And, you know, it isn't isn't just a straight mathematical thing. And, you know, we thought exiting the bubble, all right, they shot 24% three, uh, they they shot 24% on threes in the bubble. That's got to get better at some point, right? And then it gets worse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, when you, when you said that they're due for a good shooting performance, I kind of blinked because they've been due for a good shooting performance yeah. since about the minute they stepped into the bubble. And every time I'm like, well, okay, that was the worst. It'll improve now. Then it gets worse and worse culminating in last night. The Lakers shooting is basically that scene in every kind of comical movie where the protagonist will like talk to the, you know, one of the side characters and say, well, at least we know it can't get any worse. And then you hear the lightning <laughs> and the thunder above and then like starts pouring, you know, <laughs> like that's basically been the Lakers shooting efforts since, since the NBA resumed play. And the reason I kind of bring up the mental aspect of all of this is yes, Matt says that they are going to turn things around, but because shooting is so mental, you do start to wonder. It's not like these shots are going to get any easier. Right, they were they were incredibly easy looks, and and it's not like as this series gets along, these these shots are going to mean any less. Right, they're going to keep getting, they're going to keep meaning incrementally more, especially if the Lakers lose Game Two. Right, so I like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of me says yes. The the shots, so long as they get looks like that, the Lakers are going to win this series. That point zero whatever one percent though is like, well, but okay, that's what I've said now for a long time, and and frankly, since LeBron and AD got together, right, that was always a thing. So long as as the the Lakers hit their open shots, AD and LeBron are only able to to carry you for so far, and if the Lakers aren't able to hit these shots then the series is over. Like, it's just, it's just, 
there isn't a team they could sit in front of the Brooklyn Nets. They could play the Orlando Magic. They could play uh, the Phoenix Suns, the <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies, the New Orleans Pelicans. They could play anybody basically who who took part in this bu- uh, bubble. If they shoot the way that they did, there's nobody they can beat. There's <laughs> especially not four times in 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 seven games. Yeah, and like you said, every. I think everybody expects at some point for there to be a progression to the mean, but like I said, there's a finite amount of games. Like we can sit here and expect progression to the mean all the way to the point that the Lakers are eliminated from the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So it, I mean, it, it seems like it's coming or it should just by the numbers, but man, like I'm looking at their numbers from the bubble, their three point shooting. I kind of thought they'd, turned a corner a bit in that Denver game. It seemed like they started to knock down shots and the guys that you wanted to hit threes hit them. Um, that Sacramento game, like nobody played, but I felt pretty decent about their shooting after that Denver game. And then, but I mean, that's been the one outlier. Other than that, it's been 30%, 25 percent, 13%, 10%, uh, 33%, and 15% last night. Like, it's just been – I don't know if it's like – I know LeBron at one point mentioned something about sight lines. Um, I don't – I haven't looked at, like, the, the league-wide numbers to know if, like, everybody's three-point shooting is down or if this is just a – No, I actually think it's the opposite. From, from what I've heard – uh, most teams three point shooting has gone way up because the sight lines are easier. You have mostly black behind the basket kind of looks like the practice gym. Whereas I don't know if you've ever tried to shoot in a big arena. It's kind of hard. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not very easy to do that. Uh, but yeah. I, and, and also like part of me also says, I don't really want to hear the excuses guys. You're the one yeah. seed. You guys, you guys are professional basketball players. And there are some, like one, I guess, quote unquote excuse that I can kind of understand is where these guys are saying we should be playing a home game right now and we aren't. And it's kind of hard to wrap our, wrap our heads around the fact that we aren't playing in Staples Center right now where that run to take the lead after being down 16 might have extended into a double-digit lead in the Lakers' favor because Staples Center would have been rocking, right? Uh, in in that respect, I kind of get, you know, some of the guys pointing that out. But you also just got to go out there and play through it. You there's the the alternative here is, I mean, okay, you you miss playing at home, well, you're gonna be going home. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> so, we'll see how much you the, really miss it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the situation here. Yeah, and. To an ex- I, I do agree with that, the point that it probably is a lot more different. Um, I mean, I, I think I tweeted at you, this at you last night, but that Kuzma kind of weird layup he had in the fourth quarter, just think about how loud Staples Center would have been there. And mm-hmm. that it was like a 13 to one run, I believe, that they had in the second quarter and how loud it would have been there. But mm-hmm. this is something every team's dealing with. Like, this isn't a Lakers specific problem. The Every other team in the league is uh, is dealing with this, and the other top Except the seeds, Clippers. Like, well, that's fair. Clippers, they're they're right is, at home. Exactly. Like, um, I also I also thought it was funny that the Magic won their first game in Orlando because 
also that's not that different from playing in Orlando <laughs> in normal circumstances. Yeah, I actually went to a Magic game. Ooh, I don't even know what year it had been. And there was – it was like a mid-March game. They were a playoff team, and that place was like half full maybe. Um, so, but, yeah, the, everybody else is dealing with it, and these other teams are taking – like the Clippers took care of business. Um, I'm trying to think who the higher seeds are. The Raptors took care of business, things like that. So, I mean – I mean, you can use it as an excuse. It's just another thing. Like, you can use it as an excuse. It might carry some weight, but, like, figure it out. <laughs> like, yeah. it's uh, it, it's something that everybody has to deal with, and it's something that you've had eight seeding games, however many scrimmage games, and now a playoff game um, to figure it out. Like, get it figured out and and adjust because it's the playoffs. It's, it's adjust or go home at this point. Well, according to one athletic writer, LeBron has nothing to play for. So, you know, in that respect, uh, (laughs) let's take a quick second because when we come back, the Lakers are going to make some adjustments, I think. They are going to have an adjustment kind of forced on them by way of Rajon Rondo being potentially healthy. Uh, and, And the other thing that they might just do is say, hey, we got the looks that we wanted. We just need guys to hit shots. So what adjustments can you make out of like hey guys can you go out there and make a couple so uh <laughs> let's take a quick second and and figure out some of all of you know what what the latest news and quotes kind of mean uh, for the lakers moving forward this is where i, I really do feel for vogel uh, obviously he, he, you know him and and me we share very little in common, especially when it comes to our coaching resumes. But I've been there as a coach when you're run. You know, not only are you are you running the right set, uh, not only is the system paying off to the to the tune of open looks here and there, uh, but the guys are running the sets properly. Like they're they're running them crisp and cleanly enough to get those looks, and they're just missing. And it's the most. It's the most defeating moment that you could possibly have as a coach uh because like there are some there are some spots where you know if you're playing against somebody like dame lillard and you're a defensive-minded coach and that player is just so good that you know you know there's nothing you can really do there but you know when it comes to offense if you're if you're designing plays and getting the kinds of looks that normally got you you know, made you successful enough to to win more games than any other team in the Western Conference. And then you go out there and you get those same exact looks against like really terrible defense in, in the Blazers. And, and they're just not falling. Like I really feel for Frank because he's going to be asked questions about, you know, are you thinking about chasing the starting lineup? Are you thinking about doing this? What do you think it means with Rajon Armando coming back? And he's just like, guys, if we make shots, we aren't having any of these conversations. And not just make like, our, our, our team average rate of shots. If we just shoot like 5% better, we might walk away with a win in 5% better than 16% is still an awful night shooting. Yeah. I mean, it was a four point game. I believe the Lakers were down with like a minute to go. So you make two more threes and you're what seven of 32, but also you have a two point lead with a minute to go. Yeah. Um, and as infuriating as, the three-point shooting was, like you said, the Lakers got 27 open or wide-open threes against the Blazers. Like, that was 
they were atrocious defensively. They were as advertised defensively, but <laughs> the Lakers could not take advantage of it. But as annoying as that was, I was almost as annoyed with like the putbacks that the Lakers could not score all night. Even in transition, like we mentioned earlier. Like, yeah, nothing I, at all anywhere was falling. Yeah, I looked it up this morning. So on the season, they average 6.7 putback attempts per game, shot 61.8%. It was 1.2 points per possession. Last night, they had 16 points put-back attempts, so almost triple. Uh, they shot 31%, so mm. half as well, for a half point per possession. Oof. So, literally, if they – I don't have the raw numbers, but literally, if they make four, three, four more put-back attempts, literally at the rim, again, it's a it's the same story where – we're up two or four points with a minute to go versus being down four points. I mean, if you just kind of match those things together, make a couple more putbacks and a couple more threes, and it's a multi-possession game. That's where it's, like you said, Vogel has an interesting decision to make because he could easily just say, go make shots. (laughs) Like, I put you in the position to get the shots that we needed. You guys have to make them, and – I think he would be well within his right to say that. We we probably wouldn't be having as many of these kind of conversations about the Lakers' offense if they just made some of these shots. Um, so I don't know if it's something that he needs to make wholesale changes with or if he just needs to tell the guys, go make the shots that you're getting. It, it's a fine balance, especially in the playoffs. But, I mean, that's what these guys are getting paid the big money for. But, yeah, I don't – I don't know how many wholesale changes you need to make to the the lineups and whatnot. Well, so one change that a lot of people are really talking about right now is is you know maybe taking JaVale McGee out of the starting lineup and and just trying to come out really strong with eighty at the five and maybe get Kuzma in there because Kuzma has thoroughly outplayed uh, both Contavious Caldwell Pope and Danny Green and then obviously JaVale McGee. So <clears throat> I was kind of looking through this and that the, the lineup that the Lakers are starting right now uh, with KCP, uh, Green, LeBron, AD, and JaVale uh, on the season played 294 minutes together and held an offensive rating of 111.2 and a defensive rating of 112.4, good for a net rating of negative 1.2. And for me, that's a, that's a good enough sample size to where I think it's legitimate. And, you know, not just in this series, but also just moving forward, the Lakers have to maximize. They have to do a better job of maximizing any minutes that LeBron and AD share together. And I don't think the way that you do that is with A, a big in there, and B, that big, that second big being JaVale McGee. You know, it just it just it hasn't really worked this year. And then and then you know you look at it's again it's a one game sample size, but last night that lineup, which by the way played more than double the minutes of any other five man lineup on the on the team last night, but that that squad goes for an offensive rating of eighty four point six and a defensive rating of one hundred and twenty four point zero, which is a negative thirty nine point four net rating in 13 minutes and a lot of that damage was done in the first quarter but 
it's also been a trend throughout not only the, the entire regular season, but especially during the bubble. Like every game, the easiest bet in the world to make last night was who's going to score, who's going to get to 10 points faster. And oh. lo and behold, it was the Blazers once again. And, and while I don't think this is the kind of thing that's, that's going to haunt the Lakers either way, if they're going to, you know, in this series against the Blazers, this is the kind of thing that Vogel kind of needs to be shaken out of. Like this is, this is a bad habit that he's formed that, you know, it, it just, I hope last night was kind of the rude awakening that, that gets him to do it. Even though his quotes following practice today would indicate that no, he doesn't see anything like that coming down the pike. I was trying to look up inside the bubble. The Lakers have a – let me make sure I have the first quarter part of this. Yeah, first quarter net rating of negative 1.5, um, yeah. which is actually better than I thought it would be because it sure felt like it's been really bad. Well, but usually um, it goes it goes they get down and then Kuzma comes in and they, they, they come to within – they make it respectable. Yeah, so – it almost be their first quarter net rating with JaVale, basically. And, uh, I mean, JaVale, I think there will still be a role for him um, on cheering. this team. Cheering is a very important role. Like, it's there are no fans <laughs> there, so making your voice heard, JaVale, is really important. Exactly, and to provide vlog content. Yeah, um, exactly. I think they're – could still be a role for him in this bubble, depending on the matchup. But I think last night proved, I mean, pretty much the whole game, it never felt like LeBron had any kind of driving window, any kind of window into the paint. Um, It felt like an odd game in that regard. Everything was just so compacted in the middle. Um, And part of that was the Blazers were just daring the Lakers to beat them with threes which is probably the best way to defend the the Lakers. I mean, obviously, we saw last night. Um, so, yeah, I just think the two big lineups in general are not going to be able to work. Um, if I had to make a, a change, it would be to probably, probably not only bench JaVale, but probably just not even play him the rest of the series. Have AD at the five have Dwight play the backup five. I thought he played with he played with a lot of energy, probably too much energy at times last night because he was really – I was really worried he was going to get tossed. Yeah. Um, he seemed to be, really be trying. Played D- Dwight as your backup five and then let um, Keith maybe play some other minutes at the five if you need and let that be your lineup with Biggs because with Nurkic and Whiteside out there – the Lakers need to punish that with speed and, and spacing, uh, spacing the floor. And you can basically let the Blazers get away with playing Nurkic and Whiteside together by playing JaVale and AD together. And that's the areas where you need to punish this Blazers team. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought you know, because LeBron was uncharacteristically bad in particular last night at the rim. And I think what you're saying is a really good point to make because, you know, at this stage of his career, he's in year 17, he's 35 years old, and it takes a little bit more of a ramp up to explode and get up to the rim. And I think when you see so many feet in the key and you see so many bodies between you and the rim, 
there isn't enough room to get up and elevate. And I thought, you know, and then, and then what happens is even on plays where it looks like you do have enough time to get up there and do that. Well, you're working so hard on the other plays that you don't even have the legs to get up there. And, and I thought one play in particular that really stuck out to me, I believe it happened in the second quarter. LeBron gets by his guy on the left wing has a clear path to get to the rim and only Nurkic between them. Nurkic essentially made a, a business decision because usually that's where LeBron elevates off of his uh, left leg and dunks it with two hands really hard on the, on the left side of the rim or, or at least one hand going to the front of the rim. But uh, so Nurkic anticipates that LeBron, for some reason, I don't think felt comfortable going all the way up to elevate and try to dunk over Nurkic. And he tries to go under the rim and make the layup on the other side and leaves it short. Right. And uh, that to me spoke to, you know, that, that, that told me watching that play. And, and again, it's a single play over the course of a game, but I thought that was pretty indicative of somebody who wasn't very comfortable at the rim because it was never very comfortable actually getting there in the first place. And that's all because you have JaVale out there who they don't have to really care about. And then, you know, unfortunately Caruso is the same way where they were just begging Caruso to shoot and, and he, and he rewarded them by shooting and, and then not making anything. And then eventually when KCP missed a couple shots, they started begging him to shoot. The only guy that they ever really seemed to care consistently about knocking anything down was Danny green. But even he was either not making it or for some reason, passing it up and attacking closeouts that, weren't even necessarily really coming out that hard. So that, you know, is it, that is something that again, takes away from maximizing your LeBron minutes is when you have JaVale out there, especially JaVale, cause he just hasn't been very good since the NBA came back. That just allows the, the opposing defense to keep somebody in the vicinity. And you know, what JaVale is best at is finishing in, in a half court is either finishing on offensive rebounds or rolling to the rim and finishing up there at the rim, right? And with the way that the Blazers are set up and the matchups that the Lakers have, pick and roll isn't going to be something that the Lakers actually really need to run a ton, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like when LeBron is having, has the ball there on the wing, I kept seeing JaVale come out and bring Nurkic to the play when LeBron is being guarded by Melo. And I'm just like screaming at the TV, get out of the way. Just go, mm-hmm. go run somewhere else. And, and, and if JaVale is not rim running and you can't use him effectively in the half court and he's not keeping the opposing bigs off of the rim, off of the, the, the offensive boards, then it's like that meme, right, from office space. What exactly is it that you do here? <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking back during the game because of – the Lakers had a ton of success against the Blazers in the regular season, overwhelming them with size. They got away with it then because Melo basically had to play the four. So Melo was typically guarding Anthony Davis, um, well, attempting to guard Anthony Davis. Uh, AD had some huge games against the Blazers this year. The difference now, obviously, is that Nurkic is back. Um, And playoff series are about matchups. Like, they always say boxing fights are about the styles and, and whatnot. Playoff match or playoff series are about the matchups. The Lakers really can't overwhelm the Blazers with size like they can other teams. Because just in mm-hmm. terms of, of sheer bodies, the Blazers can match seven footers with seven footers. 
Um, so they need to, to go to the next best thing. I mean, they have a arguably the best big man in the league in Anthony Davis. Let him go out there as the five and space the floor. Put a Kuzma or Keith. Morris, I, I liked what Morris did last night. Yeah, Keith was, I thought, really good. And it was actually the best uh, – I don't know if it was statistically the best. I took the, the lineup tab down. But the best four-man grouping the Lakers had last night was – Caruso, Kuzma, LeBron, and Markeef. Mm-hmm. They played 11 minutes together, had a 108.3 offensive rating and a 52 defensive rating. Um, and they played six minutes with Anthony Davis and had a 66.7 net rating. And they played five minutes with Dwight Howard and had a 47.4 net rating. So, I mean, that kind of validates the point that if you just play with because Morris is basically a stretch big anyway. So if you just play with one true big man and just stretch the floor, you'll be able to punish the Blazers. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that game one should be the only time that there should be extended minutes or really any minutes with AD next to Dwight or JaVale. Um, just spread this team out, put their big men into space. Um, we saw how foul prone – their bigs are let ad have some space because that was the other thing is i watched back some of the i didn't watch the game back but i was watching clips on synergy this morning and ad hardly ever got the ball moving to the rim yes Um, this is a great point and part of it is i don't he seemed almost i don't want to say disinterested but as the game went on he was just kind of disengaged but Mm -hmm. there were a couple times especially in the first half off the screen and rolls where LeBron just hit him in in on the roll just perfectly. And if he's attacking the rim, um, getting the ball while attacking the rim, like there's no stopping it. But the problem was a lot of times he was just kind of roaming around on the three-point line, just standing there and having to basically create his own shot after getting the ball. And he's not nearly as effective there. So if you take one of the big men away, um, you open up the lane more and he can just get the ball attacking the rim more. And I just think all of it is a byproduct of the Lakers not needing to play with hardly any of the two big lineups the rest of this series. Yep. Maybe not the rest of the season, honestly, when you look at the yeah. matchups the Lakers are going to have. Uh, I, I really like that point that you make about AD, you know, not catching the ball enough on, on the move. And this is where I'm going to shock the world, and I'm going to say that Rondo might actually bring some value whenever <laughs> he returns. And uh, you look at you look at the stretches where AD looks the worst, and it's always when the Lakers are just trying to spoon feed him isolation play after isolation play, where not only is he catching the ball stationary, and his and his defenders obviously faced up to him in fully stationary. But the rest of the defense is is has has an ability to, you know, zone in on on whatever it is he's doing out there in space or lack thereof, and and that's where you know you start to see him falling a bunch or a lot of fadeaway jumpers that he isn't particularly great at, uh, and and I thought last night was another example of that. And like, yes, I think he shot seventeen free throws last night. Uh, uh- and, and, you know, that's a good number, you know, moving forward. That's something I would like to see moving forward or, or continue to see moving forward. But, you know, you can do that 
and and be more of a threat than he was in 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 the situations where he actually had the ball last night and you know whenever rondo comes back i mean he understands how to play with ad he understands how to get ad the ball on the move whether it's in the pick and roll or you know which sets to call out to, to get ad on the move uh whatever that might be but i i will say that if you are gonna if rondo is going to play a role or, or play any kind of consistent minutes in this rotation, then it's either JaVale's minutes that he's got to take away or it's it's some combination of JaVale and KCP because, you know, KCP was out there getting some great cardio in. I thought he had a nice, you know, he went out for a nice little jog all over the place, which is completely useless on both sides of the ball. And, and, it be, and it got to the point where when he was catching it, you saw Blazers players almost kind of laugh at, at, at him, uh, let alone like not just taking jumpers, but, but anytime you put the ball on the floor and, you know, because it looks like Vogel isn't comfortable with waiters, you need somebody on the team who can still dribble. And unfortunately right now, the only guy that, that meets that requirement to, with, with waiters not playing is Rajon. Well, I was going to say that as well. I mean, first KCP, I think when his shots stop falling, gets really bad about trying to force things and trying to do stuff that is way out of his comfort zone. He mm-hmm. had a couple drives in the fourth quarter that were – he had <laughs> one that he just – yeah, well, yeah, he had the one that he drove directly at, at Whiteside and just basically gave him a block. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, the other one you mentioned, he was – I don't even know. It was it was like a layup slash skyhook slash <laughs> – I don't even know what that was. Um, <laughs> he did the side of the cross and threw the ball at the basket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask. I mean, were you surprised that Waiters only played basically a minute last night? Usually, when that happens, the coach saw something that he really didn't like. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, I look. Last night's game isn't the kind of thing I wanted to go back. I actually tried. I, I tweeted this to Pete today. I actually tried to go back and rewatch the game, but as soon as I saw the first like wide open three pointer clank off the rim, I said, you know what? It's not even worth it. I mean, I can't do this. Uh, and, and, you know, if I was to go back and, and, and watch even like a chunk of this game would be that one minute just to see what Vogel saw to give waiters such a quick hook. Uh, was it, you know, did he, did he let CJ get loose? You know, did he, did he let Dame even worse get loose? What 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 went on there? Some probably something defensively that that made Vogel say, nope, not no matter what you bring to the table offensively, if you do that, we're screwed while you're out there. Um, which, by the way, wouldn't really shock me because over the course of the bubble, one of my favorite things to keep track of was baskets the opponent scored when Dion was facing the exact opposite <laughs> way. Uh, yeah, I would imagine the argument. I didn't watch the game either. Like I said, I wasn't even going to try to subject myself to it. Um, the argument, I guess, for not playing Dion is on the defensive side of the ball because, I mean, CJ and Dame are going to play. Dame played 42 minutes. CJ played 41 minutes, which how he's playing with a broken back still is mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Um, so I'd imagine that's your argument is that, you don't want Dion guarding either of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It, I don't know if there's a point where, I mean, KCP was so bad last night. Like part of me is like, can Dion really be any worse than this? 
I don't know if there's a point where you basically just sacrifice whatever on defense to try to get something on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I The thing now, though, is that it, it sure seems like Rondo is going to be back for game two mm-hmm. in any minutes that Dion would have taken from KCP or anyone else. They're probably going to go to Rondo now, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I can't believe I'm saying this. Like you said, because the Lakers needed something. They relied a ton on LeBron last night. Yeah. Um, I was surprised. His usage rate was only 26%. It felt about 66%. Like, mm-hmm. it felt like if if LeBron wasn't creating it, there was nothing coming. Um, you can I think he had spe- 16 of the team's, like, 19 assists or 20 assists or something crazy like that. Yeah, he had 16 of their 22 assists. I yeah. had a stat. He he averaged something like, uh, I want to say 18 potential assists a game, just basically creating open looks uh, during the regular season. And he had like 26 last night. Mm. Um, yeah, so during the regular season, he averaged 18.2 potential assists a game, and he had 26 last night. So literally everything was going through LeBron, which I mean – was to be expected in the playoffs. Like that's how he's pretty much always been since um, since he's been in the league. But in the the minutes that you try to spell him, I mean, Rondo's probably going to be the guy that comes in. And I think to a degree he can help the offense some, like you were saying, that he can um, get the set that the Lakers need. Um, he can lead the offense – Unlike really anyone else the Lakers have, um, that's probably his biggest pro is that he can guide an offense. Um, and the Lakers need that. Caruso kind of, I think, exactly how I thought Caruso would play in a playoff game. He was a plus 12, but also the defense just totally wasn't even acknowledging him. And he struggles to do a whole else lot offensively if he can't hit his shot. Um, I still thought he made a positive impact, but um, I thought he he struggled offensively, and it it all kind of culminated in that wild three pointer he took with about a minute left. That was a rough possession. Even LeBron um, was like, "What the?" Yeah, and that that was a weird possession too, because LeBron drove baseline and had Danny Green wide open, just directly in front of him. And I don't know if he thought the defense was going to fly out to Danny Green or if he had lost faith in Danny Green, but he didn't pass to him and kicked it out to Caruso, who had a guy on him. And, yeah, Caruso threw up a a wild three-pointer, and that that pretty much felt like the dagger. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, I think somebody needs to be able to come in and – and help the offense in the I'm trying to the seven minutes LeBron didn't play last night uh the Lakers had a negative 25 net rating um yeah 62.5 offensive rating 87.5 defensive rating I mean (laughs) the Blazer Dame only there was only five minutes Dame didn't play last night and the Blazers had a negative 109.1 net rating. <laughs> um, they are going, 
that's another one of those things where we were talking about, like, eventually this will catch up to him. You would imagine eventually all these minutes Dame and CJ have had to play will catch up to him, but that may not catch up to him until the second round when they're playing and the Lakers aren't. Um, I don't know if Dame can keep this up. That I man is terrifying. Like when it was a <laughs> yeah. when it was a close game late. Like every time he crossed midcourt, I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna shoot this. Yep. And the way he's shooting, he's gonna make it. Like that shot he had from like a step inside the logo was just absurd. Like I don't even. I don't want to get into the argument of like is Steph better or whatnot, but like I didn't fear Steph that way as I did Dame last night. Yeah, I mean, my counter to that is that the Lakers never played Steph when he was at his peak in the playoffs. True. So, um, but yeah, I, I just think I think you have to keep playing Caruso because he's the only guy who I even kind of trust on on Dame. I thought he did well last night too, for the most part. He did well, and Dame had thirty-four. <laughs> and then you know, I think I, I look. It's way too early to just cut bait on on KCP because of how important he is moving forward. Uh, that same stuff can't be said about Javale. He hasn't looked good, and the Lakers don't need him. Like they can, yeah. they could be just fine without playing Javale McGee. So, you know, I don't, I don't think such a drastic adjustment is going to be made until we see the Lakers start to make some shots and, and still not look very good. Uh, but, but I think if, if there's an adjustment to be made quickly, it's moving as far away from JaVale as possible, which is fine. Like he could do great vlogs from the sideline. He can, <laughs> you know, backstage Lakers, I'm sure need somebody in the bubble to, to be able to provide some of the content to make up for, for what spectrum has lost. Uh, you have, he's, a, he seems like somebody who is very good at, at getting guys pumped on the sideline. And, and like, also there's, there's also value in acknowledging what a player has done to get a team to this point, but then also understanding we got it from here, man. And, and I think that's kind of where I, where I find myself with, with JaVale moving forward. I mean, the, the belief everyone had was that the Lakers would play like they did in the regular season. And then once the playoffs came around, AD was going to play the five more. Yeah. And for AD to play the five more, somebody has to be sacrificed. And not like the human entire... sacrificing, just Whoa. minutes. Yes. Have to be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Depending on how frustrated I get with him after this game. Yes. So JaVale can, can see his minutes basically eliminated and he can go produce some music. Yeah, and he can produce the new version of Champions, like Ron Artest released on go. on the day the the Lakers won. He can produce that, and we'll be ready for the 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 victory parade at the end of the playoffs. Yep. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Silver Skin and Roll podcast. Uh, following tomorrow night's game, make sure you guys you guys tune in for whoever's in charge of of the recap of that one. Uh, we are going to keep you know. <laughs> We're going to keep trying to make sense of, of the wild swings that you're going to get from playoff game to playoff game. It's kind of funny. When you lose a playoff game, you feel like your team is never going to win ever again. <laughs> and when you win a playoff game, you feel like championship for sure, 16-0. and 0. Uh, and, 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 you know, this morning, even with how badly the Lakers played and even, you know, the, given the normal kick in the balls that losing a playoff game tends to be, I still walked away from it like, there is no way we're going to see that again. There's no way whatsoever. 
So, of course, because I'm confident not seeing that ever again, you guys should probably get used to or get ready for a 12% shooting night. Because if there's anything 2020 has taught us, it's that things can always get worse. We handled it entirely differently because after the game last night, I went and started reading about Lord of the Flies and debating whether <laughs> humanity is inherently evil. So, <laughs> Well, I'm already way past you on that one. <laughs> uh, like I said, though, make sure you guys keep on tuning in to the, all of the shows across this entire feed. Everybody here is doing a really good job, and then Harrison also participates. Uh, we will we'll, we'll try to guide you guys through these playoffs as best we possibly can. But stay, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you guys next time we talk to you.